Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. And today we have on James Stanko. I love your last name, by the way, from Vernon. James, where are you at today? Uh, today I'm, uh, I'm home, just got finished up at the club. We, uh, we get started at 6 a.m. on Friday, so I uh, finally get to, get to kick back a little bit and start the, start the weekend early, if you will. I'm so grateful that I'm a PM coach because I just can't hang in the mornings. Like, I think 7 a.m. is kind of like my tipping point, and that's about all I can I can manage. I tell you what, I can't remember the last time I even woke up after 7 a.m. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm up and rolling even when the alarm doesn't go off. So I'm sure that's um, for more than a couple of reasons besides work, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got I've got four kids, so at, at any given time, someone's awake. We've got a dog; he's up in the middle of the night. Yeah. So I think I think they all try to like sleep in and uh-huh. ignore my schedule. Uh-huh. But but if somebody else in my house is up, I have to be up and moving. That's just that's just kind of the way it works. But that's yeah. good being a six a.m. coach. Yeah. Because then. Like, I seem like I've had half a pot of coffee, you know, a couple energy <laughs> drinks, some pre-workout, and, uh, and I got I to gotta bring that energy first thing in the morning before the sun comes up. Okay, so I have to ask, I don't know if this is, like, a total dad thing, but do you also, like, bang the cabinets and, like, unload the, the dishwasher like every dad does? Wake everybody else up? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I... <laughs> No, I live in a house full of females, so oh. um, if I if I dare wake someone else up in the house, I mean I'm I'm a 300 pound man. Yeah, and I got to find a way to tiptoe through the house <laughs> at 4:30 in the morning just to make sure that I don't even wake the dog up because if he's still asleep, yeah, like I gotta I gotta make sure I let it be. So I'm like I'm like the Pink Panther. I'm like oh. or Kung Fu Panda. You I'm got- just I'm just tiptoeing around. It's you got to leave the bears sleeping, the little bears and the mama bear sleeping. Oh, the little monsters got to get to sleep. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Vernon, where were you born and raised? Or, sorry, not Vernon. James, hello. Were you born in Vernon? No, uh, James James is the guy. Vernon's the place to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually, uh, so I'm not from Illinois. Vernon Hills is in, uh, in Illinois. It's a suburb outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm actually not from here. I married or I met uh, a pretty girl from Illinois who came out to Maryland to visit, and I got suckered into coming back here. So, um, you know, it's pretty much, you know, wintertime, nine to 12 months out of the year here. Uh, But I actually grew up in Maryland. I was born in Baltimore, um, and I grew up uh, around Baltimore, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. I actually mm. grew up right in the middle. I was about 20 minutes from each city. Um, 
but my wife Jen, her family's here, and she likes the cold and apparently thought I would too. So here we are. That's so funny because I know that you and I have someone in common. It's my boss, right? Good old Nick. That's right. Good old yeah. Nick. And he was he was giving us a hard time because here us Texans are like all wrapped up in our like big bubble jackets and hoodies and it's like 40 degrees outside and he's like, you know, totally dressed normal and he's like, oh, you Texans need to get tougher skin. And I'm like, man, give us a break. This is like we get winter for like 24 hours. <laughs> so it's like we got to enjoy it and wrap up and enjoy our hoodies while we can. <laughs> I tell you what, here, uh, that's that's one thing I think that, that helps me fit in well. My winter coat is a hoodie sweatshirt. That's it. Uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> wow. how cold it is. You just have to park closer to the door and get inside faster. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah I think I, a big difference. I prefer the Texas weather where it's just kind of like, oh, you don't like the weather? Wait a minute. And it just changes right after that. Like, we could probably go to the pool tomorrow <laughs> and be totally fine. But that's oh, pretty could, crazy. We could go to the pool, but it's empty right now. So we might, we oh. might get like a little skateboard session in our pool. Yeah. But uh, there's, no, there's no jumping in the pool right now. <laughs> no polar bear plunge? That, that time is up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So speaking of which, what brought you to Lifetime? I've heard that you've had some time with us. How many years have you been with Lifetime? So December will be... Um, celebrating my 10th year with That's Lifetime. That's crazy to me. 10 years, a yeah, decade. Yeah, and I've actually, I've been a member a short time before that. So um, when I was in Maryland, um, I worked out at a couple different gyms. I worked out at my college gym. Um, and I, I mean, just every night after work, after school, whenever, I was just, I was a little bit of a gym rat. I was a meathead. I was, I was always hitting the weight room, you know, get the cardio in, watching TV, socialize. Um, the gym is like my, it's my cheers. It's that place where you go and everybody's throwing hugs and high fives when you walk in, you know? Um, it's just, it's just that place, right? Any TV show, they have that home setting. That's it for me. And, uh, when I was in Maryland, there was only one lifetime close by. I'd been to it before, but it was so far out of the way. It seemed kind of irrational to go there. So when we first moved to Illinois, in 2009, in June, um, I literally, we got unpacked. I don't even think I unpacked the truck. Like we got here and I was like, I'm going to the gym. And uh, Vernon Hills was a new club at the time. So I literally went over, did the tour. And I was like, my wife's gonna love this place. Cause you know, the gyms that we belong to, we had two kids um, and they basically had like, uh, just a little like cubby sized, like Harry Potter covered under the stairs, Aww. child center. And I said, the only way my wife is going to be into this is if the kids can come here. And it was incredible. So I brought her and she's like, all right, we can join. So um, I had a job in a different career, actually. Um, I was in construction full time and I was a trainer and a coach part time. And all my years I was told, you know, coaching's like a, it's a hobby job, it's a fun gig, but it's not, it's not gonna get it done for you. It's not gonna be a long-term career. Your body's not gonna be able to keep up with it. You know, just all these excuses that people kind of made for me. And I listened to it a little bit and I really enjoyed construction. But what changed for me, I was a member at Lifetime, I told you I'm an early bird, and I would go in and work out five, 5.30 in the morning 
before work starts because there's nothing really going on at 5.36 in the morning. I would get phone calls and I'd have to like walk away from the floor, go into the yoga studio, try and take a phone call. I was already, you know, putting out fires and, and handling all kinds of emergencies. And uh, when I got here, I literally did not have time to find anybody to coach. Uh, I was in, you know, new town, new state. Um, and I had been, I coached literally up to the day we moved. And uh, so after that, that first year, I finally just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not having fun with what I'm doing. And I don't get to do my fun hobby job. So I wrapped up my certifications. Um, had, you know, tons of experience because I had been coaching and literally said, I want to do this full time. And my wife, Jen, said, you're crazy. She's like, but I get it. <laughs> she did. We literally, we literally sat down at dinner. She's like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to coach kids to be better athletes, which is what I was doing. I was mostly coaching um, gymnastics and cheerleading and then doing a lot of stuff, strength and conditioning for field sports. But when I would be in the gym coaching kids, the parents would constantly ask me, well, what should I do? You know, what do you do at the gym? What should I do? And that kind of thing. So like personal training and, and coaching adults just kind of came naturally. People ask the questions. They always ask the experts. Uh, now we've got, you know, tons of them with social media and stuff. But, um, you know, I told her, I said, I want to coach kids again and make them better athletes and work on that developmental side of it. But I also want to coach parents, adults, people are who are in the same situation I am and just make sure they feel like they have somebody who can empower them to recognize that they can take that time to take care of themselves. And you can be as young as your mind and your body remain to be. And that's, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, so she bought into my craziness and 10 years later, we're still at it. That's amazing, but at least she was being honest, right? She was, like, trying to figure out how to support you um, and your new venture, um, jumping all in. I mean, that's I know that can be kind of a scary thing. And um, before we move on to I want to give a quick shout-out to one of our trainers. His name is Bradley Bowen. He's been with our company, too, for 16 years. So that's pretty crazy. So cheers to you guys happy early anniversary i mean that's a lot of, a lot of time to dedicate to something that we love and we get a lot of reward in but it's also still really challenging right day in and day out sometimes we wear so many hats uh we're a therapist one day we're just a buddy you know the other day um you know and we just wear so many hats depending on who we're in front of what do you think is one of the hardest lessons you've had to learn in all of those 10 years of being with this company? Uh, hardest lesson for me is remembering that coaches need coaches too. Yeah. Um, we need, we, like you said, we wear so many hats and we're constantly on for the next person and what their needs are. And that's one of the greatest gifts of our, our job, our career, mm -hmm. is that we can kind of, we can, we can switch gears and pivot quickly and help that person next. Sometimes we have to remember that we too have to take that step back. Um, you know, we talk about nutrition all the time and getting water in and making sure you get your meals, your shakes and stuff like that. Sometimes you're back to back with clients and you'll go, you know, four to six hours 
And in those four to six hours, you're mentally on and you're physically on. Um, so in 10 years, I would say I would say that's one thing I've gotten smarter about, but definitely still an opportunity to get better. So I hope by the time I hit year 16, I've got that figured out. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of like it's a give and take, right? It's a fine, it's a constant recharging, rebalancing, recalibrating, because different people take a little less out of you. Maybe they recharge you, because I know I have some some clients that I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God I have blank next because I just really enjoy our conversations. I feel like I can relax a little bit more, like. Um, and then there's some of those clients that, that they need literally every ounce of your energy and being and attention. And while they're like, they're still so rewarding to work with, they just exhaust everything out of you. Um, and I think that's so, something so interesting that I have found with quite a few of these conversations with coaches, even just across the nation and in our, in our facility too, in our particular rim location, we're all kind of a bit of like... In, extroverted introverts you know like where we we know how to turn on but we need to turn off at some point um so what do you think is kind of something for you that allows you to recharge whenever you're feeling like you're really depleted um a couple things one i have i have some clients like you were talking about it's like yes i've got that person next yeah i i've got i think anybody on my roster if i was just like Man, I just need to like get a workout in because again, I'm a gym rat. You go back to you know me being in a gym. I was at practice or the gym or something, just always doing something. As soon as I sit down, game over. It's nap time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I have those clients that I will I'll go through the workout with them, and it's more than just you know telling them what to do, showing them how to do it, and then putting them to work. It's I I just I need to move and move with a little bit of purpose. I'm gonna jump in and train with you. Is that cool? And I'm still going to sit back and coach them while they're training, but I'm actually I'm actually going to get into it. So training for me gives me that energy. Um, and then I would say the other thing, we don't get it year round, and it kind of stinks that so we got to pack it up here pretty soon. But I'm a firm believer in what I call like hammock time. Aww. So so the kids the kids now they call it, they call it hammocking. Uh, apparently, I was I was brought up to speed on that here a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, or over the summer, my gosh, it's almost November. I know. But uh, I'm getting, you know, losing time in my old age. I, I know, no, yeah. No, um, no, no, no. Um, but uh, that that time to just, like, sit outside, take in some sunshine, um, go for a walk. I mean, just earlier this afternoon, I was kind of like, man, 6 a.m., I was cooking, I was on it for hours. Literally just got up, walked away. You can listen to a podcast. You can take a phone call. You just get outside and walk. Like the world has that energy, and we just—I think—we take it for granted a little bit. But you have to just kind of get up and walk away, and take that that aimless fifteen-minute walk to just move. Um, so that's that's kind of it for me. That's how that's how I recharge. I, I move more, which sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. But like I said, as soon as I sit down, nap time. It's game over. Yeah, I think that there's. Um, you know, there's that special little something for everyone, and I'm I'm probably gonna mess this up because my Italian isn't great. <laughs> but that 
that little saying that the dolce de farnete, it's like it's like the the sweetness of doing nothing, right? So it's like you yeah. find those moments that are just so simplistic. You know, for me, it's like grabbing an adult coloring book and just going and just spacing out and just playing with, you know, little gel pens and kind of getting a little childlike for the moment, you know, like and just kind of enjoying doing something so for me it's mindless you know you just you focus more on just like on your hand and the details and it's just allowing your brain to relax because I feel like as trainers we're having to do everything at freaking warp speed um you know because we're processing we're processing so much we're like are we here emotionally what's their foot doing okay now you know you have to cue them okay what are we doing next do we have that equipment I mean you're doing literally so many like you're juggling all of these things um for each person every single moment um because you know it's obviously someone's body and depending on what you're making them do it can be pretty dangerous pretty quickly um but yeah so this career wasn't always your path and i know you kind of touched on that a little bit but if you could dive a little bit deeper with us um, about what made you, like what was that turning point? What made you switch? And then maybe some advice for someone that was is kind of in that moment and in that place of not really feeling like they are in their purpose, like in their work, in their, um, in their most like fulfilling why. Like what, what could you tell someone in that moment? So I could, I would, I know exactly what I would say. You can make money doing anything, and making money is is what you need to fulfill. You know, having a home, having food, uh, clean water, which is a, a luxury that we just we don't really remember. We don't take it, you know, acknowledge. Um, right. But you can make money doing anything in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a project manager in construction. You could see things built, but not actually put your hands on it and be sitting in an office all day long and get that two o'clock feeling every day, but not actually doing anything. You can find something that you're passionate about. And for me, movement and exercise, that's, that's my thing. Yeah. Um, it, it just always has seemed to be, even when I was a kid, I was a captain or like helping to coach the conditioning portion of a workout or learning how to spot tumbling and gymnastics. Like you just, you find those things that you gravitate towards and you figure out how to become the best at it so that you can make a career of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have men and women now in the NFL, like it's their job. Yes. It's a lot of fun. You get to play a game, but at the end of the day, it's a job, it's a business. And you have to remember that, you have to treat it that way. And sometimes those men and women lose that love for it. Mm-hmm. It's still a job, right? Right. Um, you're not always going to love every day going to the office or going to the gym. Sometimes you got to just suck it up and do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, if you still have that love and passion for it, get better at it. Keep doing it. Find out how you can find a way to do it forever. Right. I love the I love what you're touching on because and I want you to kind of go a little bit deeper into that because it's so challenging to sometimes stay in love with your job 
on those moments, on those days where you're just kind of feeling totally out of alignment and like you're exhausted, you, your chakras are out of line, like whatever you want to call it, like you're just not feeling like today is a good day. Um, what is that moment, um, something that you say to yourself or maybe it's someone that is really good at snapping you out of it to remind how lucky we really are to be in this type of career? Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's, I want to be able to do this as long as possible, mm-hmm. right? I never, I never want to get to that point where I'm like, oh, I used to be a really good football player or junior Olympic diver or a cheerleader in the NFL. Like, you constantly have to find that, what's my story now, yeah. right? What, what am I doing now that's that story I'm going to tell in 20 years? And then in 20 years, I'm, I'm kind of expanding on that thing or I'm on to my next passion project, right? right? It's, it's constantly, yes, I've done some really amazing things in my life, yeah. but check out what I'm doing right now. Um, and that's it. It's, it's having those aha moments, right? Um, resetting your goals, resetting your expectations and and just remembering that, um, you're every day you're trying to create a new story or a new chapter Mm -hmm. within that story. Um, and that's, that's it. That's that, that refresh. That's the way to get you out of your funk. It's, it's to find that excitement, um, in what you do. Yeah, I think that that's such a, I love visuals. So when people, um, I guess, depict it in that way, like writing your own story and which chapter are you on, you know, um, I think that knowing that it's, it's your story, you're the writer, you're the author. And is this a chapter that you're going to be unengaged with, fall asleep on, like be disappointed with? Like, no, like you, you have a choice. So, you know, like being able to kind of rise to the occasion, um, and speak, keep going. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that we do with our kids. So, um, you know, you get through the routine of the day, but at the end of the day, we sit down at the table um, at dinner. Not every night, because there's four of them. They're constantly running and doing something. <laughs> um, but the nights, the nights that we all sit down at dinner together, um, we do favorite part of the day. And we go around the table, and, you know, it doesn't have to include someone else or everyone else at the table. Um, it's just our way of, like, what was the best part of your day, Right because we get through the day it's so crazy and chaotic that we forget about those little moments so that's one of the things i think we are trying to pass on to our kids in that you know moments of crazy schedules and stuff like that is just reflecting what was your favorite part of the day and almost every time we end up at the dinner table for 15 to 20 extra minutes because favorite part of the day becomes like a little story right um and it's funny, I don't always like think of it that way, but yeah. that's that's literally what it is. It kind of speaks to that that high level mindset that I'm thinking of yeah. um, that we do, you know, and it's it's just something that we do with the kids to remind them today was a good day. You just got to remember why. Right. I think that that that's so funny because it's immediately as you said that I got so nostalgic because I feel like that's that may or may not be lost for quite a few of these like next generations is like dinner time at the table is kind of like not really a thing anymore when that's some of my favorite memories even with my dad you know growing up and we would unwrap the kids plate and then 
have like have um you know uh watch tales from the crypt or um like you know what twin peaks star wars star trek like it was just a really really fun bonding time whenever i would eat with my dad because my mom would be you know on a 24 40 hour 48 hour shift because she was a a neonatal nurse practitioner so she would always always be gone for a while Um, But when she would come back and we would have time at the dinner table and obviously we didn't have any technology like we do back then. So there was no option of like having anything at the table like a phone. Um, So it's just so much nicer creating those little memories and moments. And I think, you know, kiddos are some of the most creative little individuals. They always think out of the box. Their mind is always creating, too. Um, but I also think that they're some of the best teachers because they'll call you on your stuff real quick. They're super honest. Oh, absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit, tell us your kiddos' names and what's each, what is one story or one, one thing that they taught you, um, each of them have taught you? Oh, man. <laughs> Just one? Um, there's so many. Uh, so Skylar's my oldest. She's uh, She's 15 almost 16 and I am not a good passenger in a car. I'll drive anywhere. If if we're driving across (laughs) the country, I will offer to drive the whole way. Um, But for some reason she got a permit. We started driving and I'm like, I'm cool as a cucumber. And I don't know if it's because I have to be so that she doesn't panic because she's a new driver. (laughs) Yes. I I don't, I I can't figure out, kind of nail down what it is. Yeah. but, like, she's made me a better passenger. And I've been in cars with – I hate riding with Jenna. I'll drive. Again, I'll drive. Um, but, no, Skylar could drive me anywhere. So, you know, I got, I got my own little chauffeur now, which is awesome, uh, <laughs> until, she, until she actually gets her license and then she doesn't need me to be a passenger anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, she's uh, – you know, she's, she's kind of finding her way. And, and being my first um, – she was the one that kind of obviously got us to like switch gears and go into family mode where it was more about, you know, getting to, to take care of and start making that story with my own family. Um, so thankful for my first, um, Kaylee is 12. Um, she is, I think the exact opposite of Skylar. Um, you know, it's crazy having two girls, their personalities being so different. Same mom and dad, they're only three years apart. Um, but she's, uh, she reminds me of me when I was a kid. Uh, they all do in, in their own way. Um, but she just was 100 miles an hour right out of the gate. Um, whereas Skylar's a little more reserved, a little more thoughtful, she's a little more methodical. Um, Kaylee's like running gut. Um, and that's that's totally me. Like when I was when I was younger, I was literally jumping off of buildings and wanting to be a stuntman. And I see her like going that direction, um, where she's just just nonstop energy, which is really cool. Um, she's an incredible dancer, so she's kind of she's finding her that direction and, and literally getting after it, which is neat. Um, so I hope she never loses that. Um, Ashlyn is eight or 18, depending on <laughs> how, you look the, how you look at the personalities. I mean, she, she, uh, it's unique because my first two 
um, we lived in Maryland when our first two were born, and Ashlyn and Everly were born in Illinois. So there's kind of like a big break in between the two. There's four years between number two and number three. Um, but Ashlyn is, uh, I think, taught me the most patience um, because she is so much younger, right? She's, uh, she's seven years younger than Skylar, but she tries to keep up. And intellectually, she's really smart. She's really bright. They say she is in school. I say she is because I'm her dad, of course. Um, but she's, she's very, very smart for her age. And I have to remember that there's so much different developmentally between the three of them that I've got to like backpedal and remember she's only eight. You know, it's, it's crazy that she has like these big picture thoughts and, and this logic that could just crush an argument. I mean, she would, she would crush me in a debate. She's eight. She just, she just gets it, you know? Um, but she's a lot of fun. She was the first one with a broken bone. Um, I feel like she's, while well, Kaylee's 100 miles and running, um, Ashlyn, again, tries to keep up with her big sisters that are much older. And she's the one that flipped over a fire hydrant on a sled. She's the one that. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, man. It was, it was incredible. We're, I'm like, we're at the top of this little ski hill, and, or not even a ski hill, it's a sledding hill. Um, I know you don't know what that is. <laughs> down, there, down there in Texas, they might call that like a dune. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the kid, all the kids are up on the hill, and I go to take a picture, and she just takes off down the hill. And I'm like, no, 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 roll off. And she just kept going. Aww. And full, full speed just hit a fire hydrant, slipped up in the air. It was, it was wild. Um, so for me, it's, it's remembering that she's going to try and keep up with the big kids. And uh, we just got to harness and embrace that. Yeah. Um, but she's a, she's a wonderful little monster. I love her so much. As much as the rest of them. <laughs> um, and then Everly's our baby. She's, uh, she's five. She's in kindergarten. Um, and she is very tech savvy. What? Not just for five year old. She's like, she's on it. She's got it figured out. So, That's funny. Um, yeah, she's also my night owl. So, I've basically, what she's taught me is how to live without sleep because <laughs> I'm the first one up. And I'm often the last one to sleep because she doesn't. Um, we had to we had to put a latch on our basement door so that at night she wouldn't go down there because she'd be two floors down in the basement watching TV all night. Aww. Like everybody would fall asleep, and then she'd go roam the house. You know, it's I'm only thankful that we have a dog too, and you can hear his collar jiggling mm -hmm. because she's like she's like a little ninja. She you know definitely keeping me on my toes. That's too funny. For sure. So it's it's cool. I mean, we had um, Jen and I. We had our we started our family young, um, and we're we're still going. So we're in that you know kind of range where we're going to be like parents to children um, for the next thirteen years, um, and it's definitely an adventure every day. Yeah. And uh, I mean, fortunately. I've learned anything from all of them. We're efficient. We have all girls, so we can recycle some clothes. And, 
you know, work work with the hand me downs and stuff like that. That's smart. Um, but uh, no, they're 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 a blessing, and they're they're each awesome in their own way, and they definitely keep me young. So um, I get to I get to continue my childish hobbies for a long, long time because I have kids. So it definitely sounds like you've learned quite a bit from each of them being so u- unique and different. Um, what was life like before being a dad? Because I know that you have some pretty spectacular college stories and such like that. Can you kind of go um, into your cheer career, your diving, like all of that? I would love to hear more stories about that. Yeah, so not having social media then was kind of a gift and a curse, I think. Um, all the All the trouble and the shenanigans yeah i'm glad it didn't i'm glad it didn't make it to social media and yeah when i'm when i'm coaching uh young athletes and stuff like that it's hey keep all the cool stuff out there record it take video don't get in trouble but when you do don't put it on the internet <laughs> um but i you know while i have great stories i wish i had all the the videos and movies from all this stuff vhs is I'm dating myself, but yeah. VHS is a thing. But we, you know, we we weren't we weren't so quick to be like, oh hey, let's go free fall off this building. Grab your camera. <laughs> um, but no, my my childhood was cool in the sense that um, I pretty much got the opportunity to just try anything and everything and figure out what things I was going to gravitate towards. So going all the way back to the time I was nine, which was when I really like took interest in a sport. Um, I was interested in diving. We had a summer diving program at a pool close by our house. And my friend took me on a rainy day to the first practice. We could not get in the pool because if you couldn't see the bottom of the diving well, you couldn't go in the pool. It was raining that hard. Mm. Um, one of my one of my all time favorite coaches and favorite people um, used to run a gymnastics program in a gym, and he ran a preschool program on a school bus. He literally took all the seats except the first two out of a school bus, and he made a gym on wheels. No way, that's so he, cool. Yeah, so he, it was so cool. So if if uh, I don't know if you guys have the kids academy with the gymnastics gym. Yeah, we do. So, so, so you've seen all like the preschool gymnastics stuff and, and like the little mini rings and high bar and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah. I, back in Austin, I went to Crenshaw's gym, um, gym back in the day. So I've definitely, gymnastics is fun. It was super fun as a little kid. Oh, it's so much fun. So my first day of diving practice, he literally rolls out some mats and brings a couple wedge mats and stuff. and we learned how to do we were doing handstands on the picnic table oh my god yeah and this is and this is before like this is before instagram and youtube and parkour and those things this is just like him thinking outside the box and not wanting 10 kids to just sit there and be bored doing floor drills so i mean i literally learned how to do a somersault off a picnic table wow before I learned how to do it into a pool with some structure. Um, but diving was, was one of my main sports. Football was the other. And diving also got me into gymnastics. So I competed in gymnastics for two years in high school. Um, I also competed 
in trampoline, which is actually an Olympic sport, um, which is which is really cool. So I had a I had an Olympic trampoline in my backyard that if you were standing out front of a two-story house, we could jump high enough that you could see us from the street jumping in the backyard. Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was wild. Um, but uh, but those were my those were my two sports. And, and as I was graduating high school and kind of moving into college, um, I started teaching tumbling. So... Um, I was a big kid, looked a lot older, had a full beard in high school, just just looked like a man child. Um, so everybody just assumed that I was older than I was. And uh, Brian Payne, my coach, taught me how to spot tumbling and basically gave me free gym time to help him in the gym. Taught me, helped me get certified to teach it and, and do those things. And uh, Going into college, wasn't really sure which direction I wanted to go. Um, you know, much like most kids now, you you don't know really what, what you want to do until you kind of get there and get into it. But, you know, in my opinion, every kid should get into a sport and kind of let that be your, your club and your guide as you go. Um, so he helped me with that too. And in coaching tumbling, um, cheerleaders would come to our gym just for tumbling and acrobatic stuff, kind of like the stuff you'll see in Cirque du Soleil. It's a trampoline, people holding other people in the air, um, people flying around, just, just all that fun stuff. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens have the only co-ed cheerleading team in the NFL, or at least they did at the time. It's, it's starting to grow and get into other teams and other organizations, which is neat. But uh, I was working on tumbling and some stunting and acrobatics with them. So in my sophomore year in college, I actually tried out for cheerleading with the Baltimore Ravens, and I cheered with them for three years in the NFL. So my college life, which is kind of what we were talking about, um, I actually cheered in college at Towson University, but I also cheered in the NFL. So I was at practice or at the gym training six to seven nights a week uh, while I was in college. So it was just, That's crazy. It was just constant fun. And uh, a lot of cool lessons I learned from that were even when you think you're busy, you still have time to do something else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we feel like we don't have enough time in the day, but, you know, I can, I can attest to the fact that you can go to school, have a job, be on two teams, you know, just, just constantly moving. Again, when you're, when you're having fun and you're passionate about what you're doing, you find the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also learned a fun lesson that I tell our trainers all the time because as trainers, we're, we're always on, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're with our clients, our newest client sees us across the gym. And my cheer director with, uh, with the Ravens always said, you're in the stadium, there's 70,000 people. Yeah. If you're picking your nose, someone in the stadium is watching <laughs> you pick your nose on the sidelines. And, and she was like, just, just always make sure you're doing the right things. You're always on, don't be uncomfortable. You know, like if, if something's off, like step aside, do whatever, but 
remember that you're always on. Always be a professional. Right. And, and, you know, I was a college kid, so I was an idiot. I had no idea what I was doing, you know. Right. Um, I'm just barely becoming an adult. And, you know, we're talking about public appearances and, you know, basically PR for a major organization, right, because you are a face for that organization. So it was it was a very positive experience. It was tough. It was, it was hard work and, um, you know, the NFL and cheerleading specifically in the NFL was under scrutiny a couple years ago. And my thing to it is, again, if you're passionate about what you're doing, you would do it for free. Right. Right. And if you love what you do, you're going to make the time for it and you'll make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a lot of really fun, really neat experiences. Um, and like I said before, it's, it's a lot of cool stories to tell about when I used to do these things. Um, make for a cool movie someday. Right. Well, we'll have to start working on that, put that together. Yeah, that sounds like it really would. Like, your 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 life story just sounds so unique. And, like, the the time and the dedication and the sweat and the, the pain that you went through for training to be at that level of, of showmanship, um, I mean, I'm sure it just it, – it took a lot of dedication and drive. Um, now, I, I can only relate on a very small scale with how I attached myself to being a, a soccer athlete. You know, if there was a long time there where I really wanted to play at a D1 college and I thought I could be, you know, an ODB player and I wanted to be the next Mia Hamm and, you know, all my little soccer dreams, you know. Um, but, you know, when I started realizing, obviously, that wasn't going to come to fruition, um, you know, and a lot of stuff fell through even going into college with playing for playing for a college at all. Um, it felt like I lost a large part of my identity because I had played literally from the moment I could walk. I played all the way up into graduating um, into college. Um, and I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know who I was. So how, how do you feel like... Um, that transition out of cheer, out of a team, out of all of that kind of that, that structure, that camaraderie, um, did it feel like you lost a piece of your identity? And how did you kind of like reevaluate and kind of come into yourself and evolve into your next chapter again? Um, well, I picked up another sport. Um, so in, in my my kind of mindset of you always got to find that thing that drives you and you always got to figure out how to start your next chapter. Um, when we had lived here for a couple of years and I was just training, um, you know, I was still enjoying like training and exercise and, you know, always trying to be like the strongest guy in the gym or, you know, whatever. Um, and in a fun way too, again, it's, it is that social hour, but it, life is competitive and you want to be the best. Um, I met a guy at Lifetime in Algonquin, so I've, I've been at four different Lifetimes in 10 years, um, and back to Vernon twice, but uh, I met a guy at Algonquin uh, who was, at the time, ironically, stronger than me at some things, um, and again, I, I want to be number one, but uh, really cool guy, and he was a competitive strongman, and here I am, I was 35 at the time, or 34 at the time, I was 34 at the time. 
Um, and he says, dude, you're really strong. He's like, what are you doing? You're competing, you're doing powerlifting, strongman. What are you doing? I said, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just lifting, having fun, just, you know, just continue to try and get stronger. He's like, yeah, but for what? And I was like, oh, good point. I need something to do. Yeah. And uh, he took me to a strongman-specific gym that had, like, the world's strongest man type stuff, Atlas stones and, you know, kegs and harness to pull trucks and, and do all these different things. And uh, I went in to this gym, and there were 10 guys there, and every one of these guys was one of the top guys in the country in the sport of strongman. So I'm in, I'm in really good company, and, uh, I, you know, I tried some implements for the very first time, and I was I was good at it. Like I, I figured it out. I'm athletic. I'm strong. You know, I was able to I was able to hang a little bit. And uh, all the guys were like, "Hey, man, awesome job today. Can't wait to see you again." And they were right. They knew it. Like they, I must have had that look on my face. Um, I had, I had already started thinking about the fact that I have to go home and tell my wife that hey, I just picked up a new sport. <laughs> Get get excited because I'm going to be gone on Saturdays and Sundays for like four to six hours. Oh. Um, it's either it's either that or golf, right? Uh, which I, I do play golf too. Uh -oh. um, I will literally I will play anything. I was just talking about this to somebody. Um, I will lose ten times in a row at cards, rock paper scissors, basketball, what like whatever it is. Just if if I'm excited to play, I'll compete. Even if even if I'm not the best at it, even if I'm not going to win every game, if I love to play, I'm going to play and just keep playing. I'll play until you get bored. I'll wear you down. Once you get tired, I'll beat you. It's fine. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, that's it. I mean, you just I just I have that competitive nature in me, and uh, I did my first strongman competition in 2015. Um, I compete about six to 10 times a year. Um, and a strongman competition is, it's usually five or six events. Um, it's, it's all like maximum effort events. And you have to figure out how to train for this stuff. So over the last five years, I've been building a gym that I could have all of these implements. Um, lifetime we've actually hosted um, for national qualifying contests where athletes can come out and if they win, they can qualify to compete at a national level. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I enjoy it as a spectator, so I figure if I host a contest and I sit there and judge it, I get to watch. And I always, I always tell the athletes that uh, at our like meeting, our kickoff meeting for the contest. Um, but I've competed at nationals, five times um i've placed outside of the top 10 um i've actually placed first i won uh strongman nationals as a heavyweight uh in 2019 um and i've competed at um strongman world championships in columbus ohio at the arnold classic um and my best i've finished uh number 22 in the world Jeez. That. So, um, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna be a big guy, I at least got to work for it and, and earn it. 
Um, but it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's the community of people. It's incredible how people will literally cheer on the guys and girls that you're competing against. Yeah. Um, even though, even though you want to win, right? Mm-hmm. We, we help each other out. Um, a lot of us train together, like I said, first time in the room, 10 guys, all the best in the country in their groups. And there's just this sense of camaraderie in the sport that I just absolutely love. Um, and some of my favorite people I've met through that. Um, so for me, yeah, you, you, you asked about, you know, what do you do when that chapter's over? Um, I, I start a new chapter. That's, that's the way I approach it. Um, my grandfather a long time ago told me that I should pick up golf and tennis because he says you can kind of play those forever. And they're social sports. They're fun, a little bit competitive. And while I love both of them, um, I actually played squash, racket sport, not tennis, but squash, um, with a client uh, the other day. And we just we played for a little over an hour just to move because – exercise with a little bit of sportsmanship is a lot of fun right um but for me it's it's finding that next chapter um i do play golf i do play racket sports um i do anything that's competitive but Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely what is the title of my next chapter going to be and uh fortunately right now you know even at 39 um I'm I'm still writing that chapter now. So I think one of the things that is our best teacher is failure. And I'm sure as an athlete, you've definitely been able to recognize that. You learn so much more through the lifts that you didn't hit than the ones that you did. Um, but switching Very gears true. back into, like, relationships, I know you have a sure. wife. So let's kind of highlight her. What's <laughs> what's her name? How did y'all meet? I love hearing about love. I'm kind of like a gush like that. Um, and kind of what's one thing that you guys do to help the health of your marriage? So, uh, Jen, Jennifer, um, I joke, Jen is my wife, Jennifer is my girlfriend. They are very, <laughs> okay. much, they are very much the same person. Jen wears her hair up in a bun. Uh-huh. Jennifer, Jennifer wears her hair down and walks with a little more swagger. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we met, I, like I told you, I fell in love with this girl from, from Illinois, and she drove me halfway across the country. Um, we actually met, so when I was cheering in college, she had just graduated. Um, she had a friend who lived in Maryland who was actually my roommate when I was in college or one of my roommates when I was in college. And uh, he said, hey, you should come out and hang out. It'll be just like, you know, uh, cheer parties. She cheered out here at uh, NIU in Illinois um, and cheered in college, had a really good uh, cheerleading career through college. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of met. I had a girlfriend at the time. She thought that was completely ridiculous. So while we like saw each other and there was clearly like something there, it moved on. She she came out to Maryland for a family gathering. She came out to the party and like visited with us and whatever. And then it was like, never see her again. That was in May. Fast forward to October, John's like, 
hey, NIU's homecoming, alumni, we're going out, we're going to cheer the game. Um, you should come with me. You can hang out. We can get you on the field. You can hang out and do whatever. Um, watch the game, hang out with all the alum. So I come out to NIU for homecoming with John. I know that Jen's going to be there, and I remembered her. Um, John tells Jen, hey, James is coming. And uh, she's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. So it's uh, night before homecoming. She walks in. We're all at this bar, this college bar. She walks in, and it was like slow motion. And uh, I was like, hey, what's up? I'm glad you're here, yada, yada, yada. And uh, she's like, you have a girlfriend. And I was like, actually, I don't, which I didn't. We broke up, thankfully. Um, and and we, we literally spent the entire weekend together. Um, so that was in October. We got, I actually got to cheer um, the homecoming game, which is really cool. So I was, uh, I was a Northern alumni cheerleader for two games, even though I never attended class there. But that's how some people go through the whole college life, right? Um, you're there for the fun, not for school. But uh, so, so we hung out the entire weekend. We talked the next couple weeks. Um, she was living in Chicago at the time, just you know, trying to figure out her next chapter, what she was doing. Um, the weekend before Thanksgiving, she moved to Maryland. And we've literally been together Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, it was just like, I don't know. I said all the right things, I guess. I don't know. Um, but we just, she's really awesome to hang out with. She keeps me in check, unlike anybody else in the world. Um, she, she calls me on my stuff. Um, she's a cheerleader, so that was fun. She was obviously into the same things I was. We, uh, we actually competed together in college. She took a graduate program just to cheer um, during my last year in school. We competed all-star cheerleading, which is like club cheerleading, together um, for one year. We actually won a partner stunt national title um, in all-star, so they have like national-level competition where you just compete as like a pair, a partner stunt. Um, so we put together this routine, competed, crushed it. Um, and I think my biggest challenge to her even now is I tell people to like call us out wherever, whenever we're together to do a stunt. So she can still fly in the air and she'll let me throw her around. We, uh, when, when COVID started and everybody was doing this 10 push-up challenge, we actually did a partner stunt in the front yard, and I did ten overhead presses or ten military presses with her. Oh my gosh! In the in the snow, in the cold, bubble no. up. Um, I was like, "We got to do this," and she's like, "You're an idiot." But, <laughs> but I'm fine, game. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine, let's, fine. Let's go do it. You know. Oh, what a good sport! Um, yeah. So she she thinks I'm completely ridiculous with all the stuff that that I like to do and. I'm always just basically trying to be a grown child. Mm -hmm. um, she also supports it, and I think she not only gets it, but I think she likes it because 
it keeps us young. Right. You know, we got to keep up with our kids for a long time. And, uh, you know, as soon as you start to feel old, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's harder to do. So she's, uh, but she's a rock star. Huh? She, four kids. Yeah. She's got to deal with me too. She's, yeah. uh, she's a rock star for sure. James, life is fleeting, and I definitely think, you know, COVID has taught us that we need to appreciate the small things, and as morbid as it is, I love the ancient Roman statement, memento mori, um, in remembering death, we remember to fully live, and a long, long time from now, when you leave this earth, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? Um... My biggest thing is when I when I walk away from it all, um, you know, when I leave the service and I kind of go to that, whatever that next phase, that next chapter is, um, I, I want to be someone's favorite part of the day, Aww. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, life life is, is just a combination of experiences, and you got to take with the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not always going to be you know the good there's there's you know stuff that's tough and life's hard plain yeah. and simple um but uh you know walking away from it when when we're all old and, and moving on um just having those great experiences with people i want yeah. those to always outweigh the tough stuff because that's the stuff that keeps us driven and keeps us motivated um, you can't you can't appreciate a sunny day mm-hmm. until you've experienced you know the rain and the clouds and mm-hmm. the snow or whatever. Um, so it's it's all part of that circle, and you just have to remember to enjoy a little bit of sunshine. I couldn't agree more, James. Thank you so much for making me smile today, and I'm sure many others. <laughs> your your story is just so intriguing. I couldn't like you know I couldn't peel myself away. Obviously, like I, sometimes I would get lost and be like, oh, that's right. Hello, you're doing a podcast. Like snap back into it. <laughs> you don't get to just listen. Um, but James, is there anything else that you want to leave everybody with? We have a couple minutes left. Sure. So, uh, you know, it's just that. It's, it's find those moments that make you, make you appreciate what you do. Um, remember to appreciate the folks around you because um, your family is, is obviously your, your family, but it's also who you surround yourself with. And uh, you got to surround yourself with good people that are, that are going to help you appreciate all those great moments in life and help you get through all the tough ones and no matter what i mean you're not old until you decide that you're <laughs> old right so if you if you just decide that you're going to be forever young you just got to enjoy the ride amen brother amen yeah. i love that you know youth is just a mindset everyone yeah, absolutely Thank you so much for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human and their journey, and I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out.
Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.